And we are live. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Gaming Perspective podcast. The podcast that goes live typically on every Saturday, but we rescheduled so that we could have everyone here and things come up. So we still got three out of four ain't bad. So we've got a lot to talk about this week. We've got uh, Plague Tale Animal Crossing sales details, PSVR coming to dreams, head of Xbox Live departs, Tencent opening a Western studio, Horizon Zero Dawn coming to PC, evil online nonsense, and the price of games is going up, the up, 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 up. So we'll get straight into introductions because we got a lot to cover tonight. I appreciate everyone that's already in the chat and waits till we go 15 minutes late live every time. So yeah. appreciate you guys the most. And to the other guys that I appreciate introducing from Windows Central, Android Central, and iMore, Mr. Samuel Tolbert. Hey, uh, Shalomi, my homies. How you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting to use that one. It, it only has impact once, and I, I was saving it for today. You know, with everything going on, I beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah, doing well. Uh, obviously, a little weird that we did Friday and now Sunday, but not Saturday. Uh, missing Eric, but he has a very good reason for being gone. So we miss him. He's here in spirit. He's gonna eye roll every time Nick or I say something stupid. Um, but by that I mean when Nick says something stupid, I never say anything stupid. But yeah, good to be here. Let's get going. You know, I feel deeply offended, but at the same time, I'm okay yeah. with it. Um, and also introducing um, from the Lords of Gaming.net, Mr. Jared Eden. Uh, how's it going, everybody? And definitely the other one that Sam has to keep wrangled in as much as possible because I, I go just piled sometimes. Yeah. But uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's nice to be here and definitely a little, little bit bummed out that Eric isn't here. And But it'll be another good episode. Let's get to it. Absolutely. And I am Course Ambozo the Clown, also known as Nicholas Downey. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Undead3XVI. I do written things for LordsofGaming.net, and I appreciate everyone that's tuning into the show live. So as we do each and every week, we're going to talk a little bit about what games we've been playing and what we've been enjoying. So I will start with Sam, because he is on my right with the current cam layout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um... What man, what have I been playing? Okay, so I've been playing a lot of stuff actually. Uh, I've been playing Halo Wars 2 in co op with Zach uh, at Bear Claw Gaming, formerly of SDGC, now just a free good dude on Twitter. Go give him a follow. Uh, we played the Halo Wars 2 campaign in co op, and then we played Awakening the Nightmare. We actually finished Awakening the Nightmare up earlier today. Still a good game, still a really, really solid game. Uh, oh, yeah, I love the story's good. Atriox is minimal, but when he's there, he counts. Good stuff. Like, it's solid. If you haven't played it, seriously, go play it. Um, if you if you can, obviously, but please do. It's it's well worth the purchase. Not just because it's Halo, but also it actually has good writing and it's a good RTS. Beyond that, I've been playing Gears Five and Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. You know, making progress in the seasons as it goes. Uh, the Gears Five one was extended until July Fourteenth, so I'm really trying to grind out as many collectibles, as many skins as I can get in that right now. Um, and that's kind of it. Uh, the, um, I've been actually looking at some things in the Steam sale because I was thinking about trying out this game called, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, Hard Space Shipbreaker. It's in, yes, uh, it's in early access. It. Yeah, in, in early access right now. It's about cutting up spaceships in the capitalist dystopia. Um, it looks really cool. And a friend of mine actually did some of the quest, like dialogue writing and the collectibles in the game. So I'm thinking of picking that up. But uh, that's kind of it for me right now. It's fine. Yeah. 
I pick, I actually picked that up because Doc did some work on it. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but um, I've heard phenomenal things so far. Um, Jared, what have you been playing? Um, well, as always, I've been playing a few things. One, of course, mainly I wasn't able to really talk about it last time, but now I can talk about it this time, which is Mortal Shell. I wrote out my preview impressions for that, which you can find over on lordsgaming.net, but that's a Souls-like game, which I, we were talking about earlier. Um, but yeah, um, if you're a Dark Souls fan, go check it out. There's an open beta right now on PC only currently on the Epic Game Store, but it is the perfect filler for Dark Souls game right now. It's fantastic. Um, another one I still can't talk about because that's enclosed beta and I'm excited for when I can talk about it because I've been playing quite a bit of it and it's fun. It's fun. It's giving me a lot of good laughs in this time of really crappy world situations. So, yeah. Uh, other than that, Age of Mythology. Love that game. Love that game so much. Played the crap out of it growing up. So I was like, you know, I need something to just kind of go back to something familiar but something fun i was like going through my steam library and i was like oh age of mythology yeah let's let's install that and start playing i'm like damn this is still really good so i've been playing the hell out of that game i'm actually almost done the egyptian campaign <laughs> already it's good yeah it's, it's really good. good absolutely so that's what i've been up to Finally. Nick and I are going to have to jump in there with you one of these days because we both have it. We both played it a few months back, uh, and it's it still holds up, man. It's still oh, yeah. it's classic. It still holds up. Okay, yeah. well, I'll, I'll figure out how to use my uh, my stream card on PC, and we'll stream a one v one v one, and we'll see where the alliances <laughs> fall. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be good. That'd be good. Or we could even give us each an AI partner. Do like two v two v two. Ah, there we go. Yeah. I, like see how, see I, how the I just want everyone to know I'm totally going to play the Mussolini card and blame my partner, my AI partner, for all the shortcomings of my <laughs> empire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, a little bit of history humor. You can learn stuff on this podcast, I promise. Um, <laughs> not really. Um, so, yeah, I've, I finished Last was Part 2, working on the review for that. So I've kind of been kind of trying to keep it light in what else I've been playing. So I've been playing Gears 5 multiplayer. I've got 100 more stars for general rank. So getting there, getting there slowly but surely. Stopped playing for a couple of weeks, and now I'm regretting it because it's a big rush to the end now. Um, but really enjoying that. And I also started something that I should have played when I came out. But I decided to start and make my character last night. I'm going to dive more into it now uh, is Outer Worlds, um, which I needed to play when I came out. But I don't know why I didn't play it when I okay, came out. Okay, I'm sorry. I am really surprised that you, out of everyone here, have taken this long <laughs> to get in on that one. That is just... Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Shame. 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 Um, my problem was is when that game... Uh, came out i was kind of in one of my uh really bad PUBG addiction stages mm. and yeah yeah i had to uninstall that game because i'd literally load up my dashboard and be like i'm gonna play this today and i'd be like "Ooh, PUBG though um <laughs> but yeah i've been playing a little bit of that and i also been playing some ghost recon breakpoint um because a friend of mine gave me a code for it so i figured i'd dive in and check it out I know it launched really rough and everything else, but Ubisoft's ability to totally 360 and fix everything is really admirable, really. 
the fact that like when you boot up the game now, they're like, you can play it this way with gear level and grinding and everything else, or you can play it in the classic Ghost Recon style where if you shoot someone in the face, they die. I'm like, I love it. Give me the shoot me in the face stuff. I don't care about the gear. Um, so you can play like the Division 2 or you can play like a traditional Ghost Recon game. I'm playing it like a traditional Ghost Recon game. Stealth's great. Weapons are great. Um, just really enjoying it for what it is. Um, wish I had friends to play it with because everyone's like, ew, go play Wildlands. I'm like, I already beat it. Got 300 hours in it. Don't need to play it more. Um, but yeah. Fun stuff. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about news-wise. Not a lot of stuff that's going to take up a lot of time, but important stuff nonetheless. First, we're going to talk a little bit about sales uh, numbers. And the first one I want to start off with is, of course, a game from Asobo Studios, which announced this week that they sold, or this past week, my my apologies, sold 1 million copies. So Plague Tale Innocence, as per Asobo, sold over 1 million copies worldwide which is an amazing accomplishment for them um it's a really great game and more people should play it and buy it and it's like 14 dollars on steam right now so get in on that uh any thoughts from you guys on not necessarily hitting a million a million units that's amazing but uh what we're going to see in the future from asobo with the success they've found from plague tale innocence just continuing the franchise. I know they're going to start, they already are going to be doing a second one. So honestly, just in general with them continuing on, I'm happy. That's that's all I really kind of want yeah. out from them. Just continue that world because it is very unique. And it's so like, it's a last of us level story narrative kind of game in my eyes. So like you, you got that type of game, you keep it going. Don't stop. Just put all your effort yeah. into it. Yeah, it's good. Like it, it's good. Uh, we've talked at length about that game. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad it sold a million copies. Here's to the next million, please. If if you do not own that game yet, go out and buy it. Seriously, I, I guarantee you, you will find something to love. I know people who barely play games at all that have played that and they absolutely love it. They think it's fantastic. So go buy. It. In terms of the future, um, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to see a sequel. They've got financial backing, obviously, from the success of this game. Game Pass deals, the fact that, you know, they've got a deal for Flight Simulator. They're working with Microsoft on Flight Sim 2020, which should be out later this year. They're going to be fine as a studio. I think they're going to go bigger, but I'll be honest. I hope they don't go too much bigger. A little bit bigger is fine. Use next-gen tech to, like enhance the rats like God almighty. I don't even want to think about the kind of rat swarms that can render, but beyond that, that game has a very intimate scope. It's very narrow. It's very focused. It's AAA on a budget, kind of like the first Hellblade was. I think they need to keep that, and they'll keep that formula to success. Well said. Can you imagine a rat king out of that? No, <laughs> no. Oh, God. Okay, you know what? You guys just need to stop. Between the centipede and I, if you rat want to know what that king, reference rat is, king, rat king, rat king. If you want to know more about the rat king, you should go watch our Last of Us Two spoiler cast, which is on the channel. Plugins, well done. 
Well yes. done. Uh, we also got some interesting sales information. Uh, I know we don't typically talk about Japanese sales numbers in this podcast because there's a lot of them and getting the correct information can sometimes be a bit of a struggle. But the sales numbers for Animal Crossing in Japan um, are absolutely astounding. Um, so as per Japanese news site Famitsu, Animal Crossing New Horizons has reached a new massive milestone. After just a little over three months on the market, the game has sold over 5 million physical copies. This is the first game to break 5 million copies sold in Japan since 2012. And for perspective in terms of what this is doing compared to previous Animal Crossing games, Animal Crossing New Leaf sold 5 million copies in eight years on the market. And New Horizons has done that number in three months. Um, so that's just the Japanese numbers, and that's only physical numbers. So that's not including digital, um, which I'm not comfortable enough to say what the percentage is on digital to physical in Japan. I don't really have enough of an idea to uh, give you a ballpark on that, but it's probably safe to say it's maybe saying it's 7 million, maybe, collectively. I, don't know. I mean, that's fair. That's totally fair. Like, Honestly, it's, I don't know what I can say about that game that hasn't been said already. It's, it's <laughs> like, I, even if you don't like it yourself, I haven't bought it, but God, it's selling. <laughs> like animal, like we said this before, but I will say it again. Animal Crossing is now up there with Mario and Link. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is one of Nintendo's top IPs from this yep. point on. It has supplanted Metroid, Pikmin, and many, many others. It, oh, it's Pikmin! I miss yeah, Pikmin. Rem remember Pikmin? Hey, you guys remember the Metroid Prime trilogy? <laughs> 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 oh, it hurts. It hurts. I see. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're totally going to see Metroid Prime 4 and Bayonetta 3 later this year. Totally. We'll, we'll yeah. totally get more information on them. At that <sighs> at that uh, Nintendo Direct that's happening in May, June, July, August, September, October, November, and December. Um, mm -hmm. One of those months. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Like, uh, I don't know what's going to stop Animal Crossing at this point. And what's even amazing, more amazing about this is that physical copies were limited for a while after it launched because of due to COVID, they had trouble supplying physical copies. So like now the distribution's back up, this could get even crazier, which like I want to know what the worldwide Animal Crossing numbers are like at this point, because like I think we got a thing a month after launch that sold 10 million, I think. I think it was just a yeah. month after launch, it sold 10 million copies worldwide. I want to say, so. say so, yeah. So this thing's going to cap out. Like This is going to be like Mario Kart 8 levels of sales by the time it's done, which is insane. I can't remember what Mario Kart 8's at, but it's like 20-something million or something. It's way up there. Um, Nintendo just keeps keeps winning with first party IPs and their software just keeps on going. Then the Switch itself too. That's still that thing's still selling out like mad. And the Ring Fit Adventure too. Like I I, I don't know what it is about Nintendo this generation. Ever since the Switch, they're like, okay, we're just gonna sell out like mad on everything and just make a whole buttload of money this time around. And it, they're they're doing just phenomenal. <laughs> It's so yeah. crazy to see. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, you love to see it. 
Um, so another thing you love to see is a game that's uh, more close and dear to my heart than a lot of people on this show's uh, hearts is PSVR support is coming to Dreams. Now, this is something that was announced just prior to launch. They actually, I believe, delayed the game, saying that they were working on support for this for a while, and then they released it, and they said PSVR support would be coming later. Now, it's here. It's going to be coming on... If I have the article pulled up right in front of my face on July 22nd, PSVR support is going to be coming to the quote unquote dream verse. And along with it is going to come a handful of new creative tools, uh, crafting, uh, craftability options. And the wording on the PR statement was really weird. Um, but basically you're going to have new tools, new features and a bunch of other stuff. But what's really cool about this update is it's going to add more media molecule created levels that are geared towards PSVR. But also all these tools and features that they've added for PSVR will also be usable on the DualShock 4 and non-VR users. So basically all these new updates and everything else, all these features that are coming with PSVR updates, obviously are going to work really well with native, uh, the controllers, the move controllers. Um, but all those tools will be usable on the DualShock 4. So it's going to add another creative level um, to Dreams. And it's really exciting. I really love this game, and I just I just wish Sony would market it better. Because um, it's really cool and it's really unique. Did any of you guys – I think, Jared, you played Dreams a bit, didn't you? Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think VR support is fantastic. That's <laughs> As soon as I started playing, I'm like, man, this game would be fantastic with VR. And now it's getting VR, so that's I'd, I'd love to see it, honestly. Um, I also would like to eventually see it go outside of, you know, PlayStation support sort of thing and get those um, oh, those cool P those cool VR gloves that you can use to manipulate objects and stuff like that. Because I know the hand controls are one thing, but if I can use my fingers to manipulate actual objects and we can stretch out and thin it out and whatnot and actually do that perfect i much much prefer that um, sorry about that i got dropped for a moment but you're absolutely right jared i think you're absolutely spot on i can still hear you guys don't worry i, I <laughs> no, no idea what happened there but um, i can still hear you just whatever um, I haven't played it personally but I do want to see them support dreams especially after how long it was in development like the media molecule deserves that long-term support PSVR support is a good step but it needs a PC port and it needs more dedicated controls and on like more dedicated stuff on top of that yeah they, yeah. Need, they need this is a long conversation we don't really have time for they need a plan and a roadmap for how that game is going to be supported and how people can share their creations because right now it's a cool demo simulator and i don't mean that to knock people people are coming up with some amazing stuff in dreams but right now there's no real point to yeah. any of it they need to figure like like they, they've had their relaxation you know in terms of like okay the game finally shipped psvr support is out what's next yeah that's just where uh, i'm at um, as, as someone who uh, created and played the game for probably about 25 plus hours, I think, um, a couple of things that would be great would obviously PC, uh, a PC port would do amazing for the game. What people could do on PC would be amazing. Um, give uh, console players uh, mouse and keyboard support for the game. 
a lot of the design tools are really well done and really well are very intuitive, but the DualShock 4 and with motion controls can be very frustrating to work with at some point. So having alternative peripheral support would be great. I'm not saying use anything for peripherals, but support multiple types of peripherals. So if people feel more comfortable creating with the move controllers, like I feel like the move controllers would be really intuitive with how the game works and everything else. So the VR support's gonna be great. But at the same time, I'm not running out to buy $90 PSVR move controllers to play Dreams. Whereas I have a mouse and keyboard at home that I would love to use on it. So there's some free feedback for you. Um, this was on our topics list, but I couldn't uh, miss out on an opportunity to uh, dunk on Amazon a little. So everyone remember that game Crucible? What game? This anyone? <laughs> anyone? anyone for tennis? Um, so, Crucible, for those that don't know, is a game that is made in partnership between Amazon and oh, I'm going to butcher the studio name. I believe it's Reckless Studios. Um, if I butchered that, I apologize. So basically, this game launched as a free-to-play. It's a free-to-play team shooter, and it was in beta for a while. They released it. Um, uh, the viability of the game quickly came into question after its launch, with the game peaking at only about 10,000 players on Steam during its launch week. However, last weekend, uh, the player count couldn't break past 200 players at any point the highest point was 147 players so in an interesting and absolutely groundbreaking move i've never seen in my life um, since i've been covering video games they've decided to pull the game off the market and put it back into closed beta so basically how this is going to work is if you own a, the game on Steam or downloaded it, um, since it's free to play, um, you will have access to the now closed beta. Um, and basically, if you don't have a download or anything else, you won't have access to the game anymore. It's pulled off the store. Um, the reasoning behind this was uh, starting tomorrow, Crucible is moving to closed beta. We'll continue to follow the roadmap we laid out previously and working on map, combat, and system changes to improve the heart of the hives experience as well as implementing other improvements based on your feedback and what we think the game needs in order to survive. And the developers in their actual blog post said, if you wanted to play the game while it was in closed beta, it was highly recommended that you join the developer discord so you could arrange matches with other players which honestly sounds like a nightmare scenario um, if you're trying to you know, create a free-to-play game of any success. Um, I know the answer to this already, but did any of you guys download Crucible? Because I didn't. No. No, I have no intent. It... Again, this is a greater conversation, uh, but the fact of the matter is Google and Amazon, especially Amazon, are proving right now that just because you have all the money in the world doesn't mean you can buy your way into gaming. Yeah. Nope. Especially with a free-to-play battle royale type of game. Yep. And trying exactly. to like, reap the same success as like Apex and Fortnite. Nah, sorry. It doesn't happen it, like that. Exactly. You're trying to ape something and you're trying to just, oh, this is going to be designed for esports. This is designed for streaming. This is good. This is just going to take off like wildfire. Why not actually do something unique and interesting? 
doesn't have to be a big game. Just do something interesting. People are screaming and crying out for innovative single-player games. Yep. Why not try to break in that way? But no, you're doing Crucible. Uh, your next game, New World, is an MMO, which, oh, by the way, in today's climate, I'm I'm eagerly awaiting how that's going to go over, you know, an MMO about colonizing another land. Um, that's going to be really interesting. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to how that goes. That's a uh, good point. Just, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. I don't, I don't get it. I can that's, see that's the my thought. Coming out, you just, know, like, you, you know, this is what I love about this show. It's because I sat there and went, Oh my god, Amazon's trying to get into the MMO market, which is already oversaturated to the nines with games that have been around for years that know their player audience. But no, no, we've I forgot about the colonization aspect of that game in wool. Mm, I the only upside for that game is in order to have backlash over the game, people have to play it. And so far with Amazon's track record of people playing their games, it might never happen. So who knows? Um, we'll wait and see what Amazon does. But yeah, Amazon and Google are prime examples of doesn't matter how much money you have, you can't buy people to support your products in terms of games or anything else. Um, because Stadia's whole idea of it just works. But what if it doesn't? But it works. No, no, but it doesn't. It it's stupid. Um, but in something that's really cool and something I'm really excited to talk about that Sam added to the topics list because I'm a big dummy and I forgot about it. So Jeff Keeley, which everyone loves on this show, um, has announced that as part of Summer's Game Fest, the game's best. Holy hell, enunciation. Xbox is proud to reveal that there will be a Summer Games Fest demo event that will be live on Xbox One from July 21st to July 27th. And what this means is that you will be able to play demos of upcoming titles and everything else. I don't have a full list. Um, I'm sure Sam could probably pull ones from somewhere, I imagine. Um because he's sitting there smiling like a happy man. But <laughs> 60 games, they're going to be available for a six-day period on Xbox One. So basically what you are getting is you're getting the E3 game demo experience or the Paxi's demo experience without having to leave your home. This yep. is possibly one of the coolest things that we've seen in this post-COVID yeah. world is that instead of, you know... It was cool. I, you know, I, I like to sound selfish, but the idea of going to something and playing a demo and my friends couldn't play it felt like really special and stuff. But the fact that a bunch of my friends can now sit down and we can talk about a demo we played, a part of a six-day event together where it's not embargoed or anything like that. It's just, this is really cool. And it's going to give a lot of uh, awareness to a bunch of games. This is awesome. What do you about you guys? Are you guys excited for this? I'm not excited about how much work I'm going to have to write that week. <laughs> Because there's going to be demo preview pieces coming out the yin yang, but I'm so excited for this. This is so cool. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's absolutely exciting because I, I love demos. Honestly, I've, <laughs> I've ever since I've been back to PC gaming, I've gone through a whole ton of demos. But um, I, I think I'm going to see a lot of duplicates from Steam, the Steam Summer Game Fest they were doing or whatever. I think a lot of demos from that are actually carrying over to Xbox as well through the Xbox, um, the ID and Xbox program, as well yep. as some other programs and stuff like, stuff like that as well. 
on top of that, we might see some new ones. Who knows? But, you know, it'll still be a good time. Yeah, no, I'm Jer glad Jared, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up um, because they did say a lot of them are going to be ID at Xbox, which mm -hmm. isn't surprising. Um, if, if Xbox is not getting enough credit for this side tangent. They are signing a crap ton of indie games right now. If you haven't paid attention, yeah. uh, like they are, they are signing a ton of them through the idea at Xbox program. They're putting out these videos of, you know, all the different ones they're signing. It, it's really cool, but this is really awesome. You know what they're doing this week from July 21 to July 27, 28, whatever that week I've asked for a long time, even as someone who's gone to E3 for publishers to have like an E3 at home experience. And since we can't have E3, since E3 isn't happening, this is like the, the next best thing we're going to get. The fact that we all get to choose from these demos at the same time, you know, it's it's, it's neat. It's, it's almost kind of intimate, almost like, like, hey, we all get to experience this anyways. Uh, they have not released the full list of games yet, but some of them include Destroy All Humans, the remake of that. There's going to be a demo yes. for that one. Uh, Haven, which is one of the nine PlayStation indies that PlayStation showed off as part of their new PlayStation Indies initiative. Um, so kind of ironic there. It is also coming to Xbox, and they said that uh, that's going to be one of them. It's, it looks cool. It's like a co-op RPG, but it's designed to be a very calming, therapeutic experience. Mm -hmm. you, you, you and your co-op partner, if you have one, control two lovers on a desolate alien world. It, it looks interesting. It, it looks really neat. Uh, then also Hellpoint is one. Hellpoint is going to have a demo, and there's there's going to be at least 60 games. They said there are some that they can't talk about yet. There's going to be a final list, and that when it's finalized, it's going to be somewhere between 75 and 100 games. So that whole week, I'm not sleeping. Great. Yeah, and, and obviously, obviously, please keep in mind, this comes with the disclaimer. These are literally show floor demos being available to download for a week. They're going to be a little buggier than normal yes. demos. They're going to yeah. be less polished. You are going to run into issues, I'm sure. Please bear that in mind. Please yeah. keep that in mind. I was just thinking, actually, the Mortal Shell beta might come along with that to Xbox during that time to the console beta, which would be nice because they're doing quarter three 2020, and the end of that is August, September. So it's not much left time for it to come to console. So that would be nice. All I know is I'm the first thing I'm downloading off that demos list. I just looked up a, a very short list of some of the things that will be there. Skatebird. Skatebird. I am totally playing the hell out of Skatebird. Um, <laughs> but um, no, there's going to be some cool stuff there. I kind of have my fingers crossed that Iron Harvest, the console demos will come mm. around too. Um, but not holding my breath on that one. Um, but you never know. So, yeah, it's going to be a really cool time. It's going to be a lot of demos to play and everything else. And it was also noted, um, I'm not sure if it was by Jeff Keeley or whatever, that some of these demos will be sticking around afterwards, but a good majority of them were going to be limited to that event. So clear out some time that week and uh, try out some new stuff. But as, as Sam put the great disclaimer on it, it's going to be broken. Anyone who's done events like that, gone to PAX and stuff. The games don't always work flawlessly. It'd be a perfect scenario if they did, but there will be bugs. There will be issues. I feel like I have to put this disclaimer in there, but honestly, the people that need to listen to that disclaimer are deaf as hell anyway. So, <laughs> Moving right along, we've got... Uh, what's the, uh, Yeah, okay. 
it helps if I adjust all the topics list as we go. So yeah. this past week, um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Dan McCulloch, who was the head of Xbox Live, um, decided to step down from his position. Um, this ends his career at Xbox after 15 years. Um, he is going somewhere. He is uh, pursuing something else within the games industry. He said he would be talking about it soon. Um, for those for context of what Dan has done is he was the became the head of Xbox Live in 2017. Up until now, before that, he did various producing things. From he worked on Hololens. He's worked on the Kinect. Um, he was a key producer on Connect Connect or Connect Interactivity with Forza Horizon Four or yeah, not Horizon Four. God damn it, Forza Motorsport Four, and has been with the company for a long time. So, wishing him the best. I know Sam actually met him at E3. So, yeah, I mean yeah. he's a great dude. He, he's a great dude. Um, we shared a lot of interesting stories. I met him at E3 2018 and then caught up with him at the exact same bar the same day before the <laughs> Xbox conference, uh, E3 2019. Nice. Good times. One of the highlights of my uh, memories of going to E3 was, you know, just chatting about Xbox and how he was feeling and, you know, other stuff about that uh, in the industry over a glass of whiskey. That was that was a really nice time. And uh, Xbox, you know, I, I can't wait to see who they bring in to be the new head of Xbox Live. But he'll Dan will definitely be missed, and I can't wait to see what Dan is doing next. Yeah, I think I think definitely that's one of the things that most interests me with Dan is he's a really down to earth guy. Like the fact he was the head of Xbox Live, and like I've played games with him randomly. Like he was just like looking for people to play Call of Duty with. I was like, hey, and he's like, okay, send me a party invite. I played Call of Duty with him randomly, and it was like this awesome. is really cool. Yeah. And like being really in with and interacting with the audience can be really risky because as we know from social media interactions, a lot of people are assholes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, it, it's really cool when you have someone that's that down to earth and I, I really wish him the best. Um, I will be thoroughly interested to see if he ends up at blizzard. I will incessantly giggle um, for every person that leaves Xbox and goes to blizzard will be a giggle point for me. Um, Jez has joked to me that we're going to have to start Blizzard Central as a fourth site if this concept <laughs> keeps up. No, no, that's I just like Jez that. wanting to make a Blizzard Central. That's I, I know, I know. <laughs> Shout out to Jez for why you find a way they can write about World of Warcraft 24-7. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, now, in an interesting piece of news of something that I never thought I would see happen... Um, Tencent, which, as everyone knows, is the big, evil Chinese mega corporation that everyone fears in the gaming industry, reportedly, um, that does a fair amount of publishing in China and everything else. Basically, if you want to get your game published in China, you got to go through Tencent due to government restrictions and everything else. But they've decided to branch out a little bit. So Tencent is starting a U.S. studio with a focus on making AAA games for next-gen consoles, and the studio is led by Rockstar veteran Steve Martin. Um, so and for people that need to know, well, what has Steve Martin worked on? Uh, he was in held leadership roles on Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead Redemption 2. So that's all you really need to know about his background, um, so to speak. Uh 
In a brief statement, he Martin said that they were looking forward to making a crunch-free and inclusive culture for the, its growing team. We're ushering in a new era of game culture by combining world-class development with a stress-free work environment. From day one, our teams will be focused on building the high-caliber games while promoting integrity, proactivity, collaboration, and creativity. AKA what every PR statement is going to look like for a new opening studio due to the allegations floating around the industry right now of crunch and abuse and everything. Yeah. Uh, so people that are like, Oh, they're trying to make a good positive change. No, that's what you have to say at this point. In time. Prove it. So don't say it. Actions speak louder than words. Yep. Yes. Yep. So I kind of want to ask you guys because Tencent stereotypically and Sam will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Tencent typically deals more in the publishing side of things. They do do some develop development side, but a lot of their big money opportunities are publishing deals and publishing agreements or buying out studios and just being like, Hey, we own part of you, but we just want the money. You guys just keep doing what you're doing. Essentially. Um, companies that Tencent owns, uh, good chunks in is of course, most notably Epic games where I think they own something like 40. Nope. Uh, no? no, I mean they own they own forty percent of Epic Games, but most notable, my dude, would be uh, Supercell with Clash of Clans and all of its oh, spawn. Yeah. And then oh, after global. that, they also own Funcom, who makes the Conan Exiles. They're a Norwegian developer. Uh, they also own you know that little thing called Riot Games, which makes League of Legends, which is kind right. of sort of arguably the biggest game in the world uh, instead of Fortnite. Like that game makes stupid amounts of money. Yeah. Um, you know, they have investments in other studios. They have a minority stake in platinum. Now uh, it's probably easier for me to name what they haven't invested in what, rather than what they have. So yeah, there, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a period <laughs> in like late 2010s through that decade where Tencent and that other company, what was it? Vivaldi? Vivendi. Vivendi. Um, I don't know why I was trying to put a classical composer into that, but um, Vivendi, uh, we're basically seeing, hey, I could buy this percentage of this Western studio, and then Tencent will go, ha-ha, but I could buy this percentage. <laughs> and yeah, so they own a ton of stuff. I forgot they 100% own Riot Games. Like, there's no percentage. It's just they own Riot Games. Um, so yeah, Tencent makes a ton of money and everything else, and now they're getting into Western development and trying to compete by creating their own studio from the ground up. What do you guys think about this? Because this is the first time Tencent has really focused on the Western market as a central focus of what it's doing. Jared, I'm not. I, I'm not sure what to really say on this, other than like, I guess it's good that they're getting more serious into the AAA game um, since they're they've kind of been sitting back on you know League of Legends and. Uh, a lot more of the mobile games since that brings in a whole lot of money, especially when you got like a clash of can clash of clans and stuff like that. But um, it's interesting to see where this is going to go. If they're going to do an inclusive environment, then okay, cool. What that's cool. Um, but let's see what you produce first before we go anywhere from here. That's all I'd, like, that's my stance. Yeah. I would say the same thing. Making a AAA studio is far easier said than done. Making an inclusive AAA studio is, you can double that or even triple or quadruple it. The fact of the matter is, well, let's check back in in two or three years when they're actually making something. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's a lot of money, but obviously Tencent is not going to hurt for cash. Even if they spend yeah. five years trying to make a super expensive, you know, $200 million game and it crashes and burns and they paid everyone's salaries, that's nothing to them. Like, that's, yeah, they're, they're that's saying they're like one oh. bad check. Yeah, that's an oh well, it didn't work. So even if this crashes and burns, it's not going to hurt them. Let's actually yeah. wait and see what it is first. Yeah. Um, it is interesting to see. We've seen a couple of AAA studios, though, kind of spawn up in the past little while. What's most interesting about this one is they didn't stress about size. The past few that have come up, um, that studio that is made up of previous Respawn alumni um, said they wanted to focus on an 80-man team. Then we had the uh, Gravity Well. Gravity Well is one yeah. former Respawn. The Gravity Well, and then the other one that's the X Bioware team. Um, oh, I know. Archetype, thank you. Yes. Archetype. archetype. Um, they also said they were focusing on immersive AAA experience, but also trying to straight, stick to a smaller team size. Yeah, but 10 cents. Uh, spoiler alert this, the 10 cent studio will not be a small team. Yeah. No, this is going to be like, how can we make this look like Rockstar North in six months? Yeah. Uh, that's that's the concern, right? It's like that's maybe. I hope they don't go that ambitious right off the bat. Just like, take your steps to get there, work your way up. Here's the thing: Tencent has the cash to I at know. least try and make it happen. <laughs> they yeah. can chuck the money around. So does Amazon and, and Google. Well, well, like, yeah, but here's the difference. Here's the difference. Amazon and Google have so far failed to buy their way into the gaming industry. Yeah, yeah that's Tencent true. is buying their way in and <laughs> with flying colors. They booted the door into the gaming industry. Here's our money. Yeah. We're in here. Exactly. Yeah, like, like basically Tencent's got the kind of money that they could probably stroll up to Dan Hauser's house with a briefcase full of cash and go, you're making our next game. And he'd open it up and go, well, that's half my net worth. Okay. <laughs> and away we go. And... Yeah, it'll be interesting too because the thing is, is like a studio of that caliber, you're gonna have every junior developer wanting to claw and try and make a name for themselves at that studio. Absolutely. So if they, I hope, fingers crossed, that they can keep this inclusive and healthy work environment they claim to want, because there's gonna be a lot of eager people willing to break their backs in order to deliver on what they're trying to create. So. Fingers crossed. Um, heard really great things about Steve Martin from Rockstar. So we'll just have to wait and see how that all plays out. But in an interesting little side Timbit. Timbit. Ah, there's the Canadian coming out again. Oh, no. Uh, awesome Timbits, do, do buddy. Pat you on the back until the syrup comes up. Yeah. <laughs> just pat me on the back till maple syrup comes out. Yeah. Um, so Horizon Zero Dawn, which is coming to PC. There's no denying it at this point. It's imminent. It's happening. I'm sorry. Sam's trying not to laugh right now. Um, funny. <laughs> I, um, keep moosing. It's okay. Keep moosing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Moosing. Uh, <laughs> You're really amusing me. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so Horizon Zero Dawn is coming to PC on August 7th. It is retailing for, oh God, I'm in maple syrup dollars at $59.99. So that's like probably like $12 American. Um, no, I think it's $39.99. Uh, <laughs> yeah, $49.99. It's, it's a little more expensive than I thought. It's $49.99 uh, USD. It's a little more expensive than I thought, but you know. What can I say? Uh, they've announced this PC port that all the people said wasn't going to happen. It is. And uh, not only that, they haven't detailed a PS5 enhancement. 
for the PS4 version yet. Now, I'm sure they're going to, right, guys? Like, there is no way they don't do an enhancement for this game on PS5, right? Like, there's there's no way they didn't go through the effort of doing all this just for the PS5. I mean, just for the PC version. Mm-hmm. I struggle. I struggle to believe it, but um, yeah, it was the top selling game on Steam. Pre-purchased mm-hmm. when it first came out. It's now number two. Sea of Thieves is back at number one, but still it's number two. Um, and yeah, the more people who buy this, the more Sony is going to strongly consider bringing other games over. Absolutely. So, there you go. It's it, it's Just go ahead and brace yourself. It's going to happen. More and more are going to come over. And in the mortal words of Alcoholicost, which is one of my favorite Twitter uh, follows, if you're not following the drunken cat, you're not doing Twitter right. That's but as he said, if people were upset about this, then they're going to be really upset in the next couple of months. Um, look, the thing is, is I actually wrote a piece on this about how what was going to be the make or break point for more games coming to PC. And I'm sorry, the fact if you go on to, I, I'm literally looking at the Steam's best-selling games right now, top-selling games at this very second. We're in a Steam summer sale, and the top five best-selling games are Halo Master Chief Collection at number one, Doom Eternal number two, Satisfactory at number three, Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition at number four, and Sea of Thieves at number five. And keep in mind, that's for Canada, because the Steam sales chart dictates, I'm pretty yeah. sure, region-based. Um, global. There is for perspective. The only two games on that list that aren't on sale are Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, Sea of Thieves, and they're in the top five. Yeah, (laughs) more games are going to go to PC because what PlayStation and Xbox and a lot of hardware developers that aren't Nintendo have figured out is that if you port a game to PC after you've bled every dollar out of your console version you can make even more money. Because let me tell you, Sony is not making money off of selling Horizon Zero Dawn on the PlayStation Store for $4.99 Complete Edition. They're not making money on that anymore. But let me tell you, they're making money on $59.99 Canadian for the same game. So do I think PlayStations go day, go day and date? Not on their big titles. But I don't think PC players have to go ahead and run out to buy a PlayStation 5 if they don't mind waiting a year or two. Yep. Because that's the reality of the matter. Detroit Become Human has been in the top 20 best-selling games on PC since it came to Steam. That's depressing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was using it to bring up a point, but it doesn't make me happy. Um, <laughs> uh, Persona 4 Golden has still not dropped out of the top 20 since it released. It's very, very telling. The one thing everyone can critique PC gaming for a majority of different things, community, technically, everything else. But there is one thing I will always give them credit for. If they put their money behind something, they put their money behind something when it comes to buying a game. If they ask for a game, that game is the best-selling game on Steam by a landslide. Mm -hmm. And it's only going to continue. Like the fact of the matter is, is Persona 4 Golden was the best-selling game on Steam before the Steam port was announced, which is amazing, <laughs> and is my favorite thing that ever happened. Is the fact that it was number one trending on Twitter and the number one on the Steam Source store page and the PC game show is like, so guess what's coming to PC? And everyone's like, we're already playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we gotta get into something uh 
a little bit worse now, though. Um, as we know, a lot of uh, allegations and things have been coming out. Uh, we've seen a lot of Ubisoft staff. We've seen uh, Chris Avalon. We've seen a ton of people um, lose their jobs, lose Ooh. lose their working conditions and everything else due to accusations of abuse, everything else. Um, but what I never thought I would see is Evo, Evo Online, which had to be changed to an online solution due to COVID-19, is straight out canceled due to allegations against the co-founder. So Joey Kalur, I'm going to say Sulur, wherever, uh, will no longer be involved with Evo in any capacity, the company said. Tony Canna, another of the organization's co-founder, will act as CAO going forward. Kulur apologized in a tweet saying he was not proud of his past actions. This was based... The announcement of the event's cancellation came less than 24 hours after fighting game player Mikey Crack Prawn Fam alleged that Killer had behaved inappropriately towards him and a number of other teenage boys in the 90s and early 2000s. Following the allegations, multiple companies pulled out of the event, including Capcom, NetherRealm, Bandai Namco, as well as players and commentators. There's not much really to say other than you can have my whole yike. Like, that's yeah. all there is. Like, Yeah, I don't really have much to add to this except scumbags need to be walked away and punished. Yeah. It's just incredible how they've gone. It's like they've gone undercover for so long up until this point sort of thing. And I'm glad people are speaking about it now. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the more things that get uncovered, the more places that get spoken out about. The more I get mad because the more upset I, I get mad at the inaction and the fear that these people have had to live in for so many years that they weren't allowed to speak out. They were terrified to speak out when all along they should have been comfortable enough to be able to speak out in the first place to resolve the issue in a proper manner. But, hey, you know what? 20 years later, that seems to be okay now, right? It blows yeah. my mind. It's just it's disgusting that this thing is allowed to just be swept under the rug for so long until it gets to a boiling point where all these other people feel comfortable with their speaking up because others are speaking up too, right? It's just yeah. Know. Well, yeah, it, no, no, absolutely, Jared. It's the only comforting thing I can say is if you are a survivor out there, if you haven't spoken up, people are being exposed. One by one, bit by bit, the truth is coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is uh, it was noted by um, Slasher, who's an esports uh, commentator and representative, does a lot of esports analytics work. Um, he said, now in the esports scene, with so many people coming out about sexual abuse and some of the things they undertook, it's a chance and an opportunity for the industry to grow as a whole. Because the biggest fear a lot of these people had was having, you know, when you come out of, about abuse against your manager or something else, your manager handles your sponsorships. So do you lose your sponsorships and everything else? But with more sponsors being actively involved and being more defined of okay this person's doing something crappy we don't punish the player we punish the manager or whatever the case may be we don't punish the player anymore yeah. more and more people will be able to come out about this because one of the biggest things 
is about esports and the games industry as a whole. It's a hyper competitive industry where there's always someone that wants your job or could take over your position. So you don't want to necessarily cause ripples in the water. There's a fantastic documentary if you go on YouTube uh, that details the sexual abuse and drug addiction problem that the Counter Strike uh, esports league went through in the late 2000s. Uh, due to uh, basically it, all the esports teams were owned by crime syndicates and they pushed all the players to certain limits and there's a whole ton of stuff that goes into it. So I just hope more people feel more comfortable coming forward and hopefully eventually we won't have to hear about it because it doesn't happen anymore or it happens very rarely. Yeah. If I could go a day without hearing someone got fired because they sexually abused someone, I'd be happy. Not because it's... Just stop. <laughs> I just, uh, there's no other words for it. Um, so it sucks that Evo's canceled, but I appreciate the fact that NetherRealm Capcom and everyone just went, no, we're not supporting this because the guy who helped organize this is garbage. So uh, hopefully Evo comes back together next year and they can pull everything together as a community uh, going forward. Now, we're going to get into a touchy subject. So, well, not a touchy subject for us, but touchy subject for people that are easily emotionally involved on things on social media. Um, so NBA 2K21 was announced this past week, and there was a small minor detail that uh, people all of a sudden noticed about is a bunch of people went, hey, that game's $10 more expensive. And 2K was kind of like, What's your point? <laughs> they were the, uh, did I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially. Um, the thing is, so NBA 2K21 isn't the first game that came out with a rise price point. It's the first game that came out with a rise point in a price point in America. The original store listing for Crash Bandicoot 4 had the game as $10 more expensive in Canadian, but people are like, ha, who cares about Canada? That won't happen here. <laughs> um, so NBA 2K21 came out. It's $10 more expensive. So that brings the cost of a AAA or 2K21 in the United States to, and if I'm correct, $69.99, which will then bump Canadian prices to $89.99, which then means after taxes we're paying $100, which is Great, and I'm so excited about it because this is this is our discussion topic for the night because I'm really really frustrated because I saw so many people getting outraged and like bless your hearts I don't mind people getting upset about ten dollar increase I get it I understand but listening to my American friends complain about it when they're like they haven't had a price adjustment since two thousand and five. Like Call of Duty, Call of Duty was the one that set the standard for fifty nine ninety nine all the way back in two thousand five, two thousand six, somewhere in that time frame. And now they're experiencing the first price hike, which sucks. But we just had one four years ago. We just went up ten dollars four years ago. We went from sixty nine ninety nine in two thousand fifteen to seventy nine ninety nine because our dollar collapsed. So they went, you pay more now. <laughs> Which makes sense. It's economics. I get it. And like, if you do the equivalency, we're paying the same amount of money for games that you guys are, and yada yada yada. But the thing of the frustration matter is, is that 
a lot of people all over the world, Europe, et cetera, have been paying more game for games for a while. If you ever want to talk to people about paying way too much for games, talk to an Australian. Yeah. Like Australians have been paying $100 for games since I've been playing video games oh. um, because their government makes it so hard to license and import things and everything else. But there's a couple of tiers to this conversation. I want to start with how do you guys feel overall with the $10 increase? Um, just like, there's not anything we could do about it. it, it, it is here's the thing. Is, here's but... the thing. Okay, I've got two, I've got mixed opinions, but two things. First and foremost, this is overdue. Everyone thought it was going to happen yeah. this past generation. It didn't. It's happening this one. Um, actually, I have three thoughts. So that's one thought. This was overdue. Uh, the fact of the matter is, game development costs for AAA games have risen and risen and risen and risen. And what can you do? Uh, inflation is what it is. Uh, the other set fact is not everyone is going to do this. I think it's important to keep that in mind. The bigger publishers are going to do this. The big AAAs are going to do this. But, like, I don't think your Focus Home Interactives or your Big Ben Interactives or that sort of no. thing or, like, even your private divisions, I don't think they're going to raise prices like this. This is going to be the AAA publishers. Uh, third and finally, the idea that it's NBA that is doing this first is just hilarious because that game based it basically has gambling right yeah. like that's not a controversial thing to say i like, play 2k i can basically confirm it's gambling there's yeah it, it has gambling they are making money forget hand over fist like they are boulder over dump truck they they they, they make stupid amounts of cash on this thing so the idea that they need to raise prices is absurd some of them don't need to they don't need to but they are going to, and so there you go. Um, other publishers are going to raise prices as a result. Doesn't mean every game will. EA's uh, Star Wars Squadrons is only $40 US. I think $50 Canada. Not bad. Not bad at all. That's pretty reasonable. It's also going to be the exception, not, not the rule. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all I got. Like, it sucks. It is what it is. It's overdue. Kind of stupid that NBA is doing it. I yeah, it kind of, it kind of, it's something I talked to Eric about. I wish he was here because we were talking about because we're both uh, – what I call 2K zombies is we're not going to play that game. We're not going to buy that game. Oh, yeah, I know. But the millions uh, – yeah, the, yeah, the, there's millions who are going to. It's yeah, just and, and the thing the thing is, is people can – I've seen some people be like, well, if we boycott it, they won't raise it by ten dollars. I'm like, okay, the moment we put boycott in front of a game, it sells ten million copies. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, if you want a game to succeed, say you're boycotting it. That's it. Say you're boycotting. It, it. Yeah. Borderlands Three works. sold extremely well. Uh, Last of Us Part Two, you know, broke records. Like someone Pokemon helped me out. There's another one. Pokemon, thank you. Like, it, it, say you're boycotting a game to guarantee its success. Last of Us Part Two was another one. I know people boycotted <laughs> because of the views in that one. So it's like, it, people, stop it, stop it. Yeah, don't say you're gonna boycott um, it because it's not gonna happen. It just that's why I kind of look. I'm like fatigued right now because it's like I get that it sucks for NBA because they don't need to do it, but. There's others who do, and what are you gonna do? You gotta well, take it. You gotta well, take it in and, stride. And see, this is the thing: is like trying to argue economics with people that just play video games can be very challenging sometimes. Because if you don't deal with economics in 
your day-to-day work day, you may not just give a flying crap about economics. Like my, the only reason I care about economics is because in my work, we deal with copper. So the price of copper and metals dictates the price of our products we sell. So economics comes into play. Some days we're making really great money. Some days we're not making great money. And that's how that works. But the thing is, is inflation is real. You can't keep paying the same price for something until the end of time. Like I used to be able to buy a Big Mac combo for like $6. A Big Mac combo now is like $11.69. I wonder how much a Big Mac combo is here. I haven't had one in a while. Keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Okay. But the thing is, is inflation sucks, but it's part of what we do. It's the same thing as like when people walked into this generation thinking we were going to have 399 consoles again and have any form of technological improvement on it. It's just not going to happen because 399 now isn't what 399 was eight years ago. Eight dollars. Huh. Okay. Not as much as I thought it was. Eight dollars. Okay. Could be worse. Anyways, uh, but, but yeah, continue your point. You're 100% correct. Inflation is a real thing. And and actually, Nick, I would add on to your point. We're in a pandemic right now, and we're kind of in the middle of a global recession, or at least the U.S. is at bare minimum. I'm, I'm not going to speak for other countries. The U.S. is in a recession. So I do think this is going to bolster subscription services in the short term until those subservices raise their prices. And then, of course, that changes the discussion. But in the short term, uh, more people are going to sign up for PS Now. More people are going to sign up for Game Pass. Yeah. Definitely. I guarantee you. Because as long as that's staying stagnant, a lot of parents are going to be thinking, well, crap. Why would I buy $70 games when little Jimmy has enough to play, you know, subbing to this? Just re-up his subscription like Netflix. Exactly. Um, in the short term, that's going to happen. And it makes those services much more valuable. And what they provide, much more valuable. So... And it's also going to make, I think, people a little bit choosier about the kinds of games they're getting, even if it's only $10. Even if it's only $10, I think you're going to see people be just a hair more careful about, okay, now wait a minute, which big AAA games do I really want to get? You know? See, I don't think... The thing is, is people, like, in our small social community that's on social media, I think this is going to be a big talking point, but I think at the end of the day, mom and dad are going to go into the game shop, go, oh, games are $10 more expensive. Must be on one of them newfangled Blu-ray things, and they're just going to buy it. Because, yep. at, because at the end of the day, look at how much we pay for cell phones now. Like, I know we do it through contracts and everything else, but you, like, you think, like, if you had told me back in, like, 2006 that people pay $1,300 for a smartphone, I'd slap you. That's ludicrous. But people do it. People spend $3,000 on TVs. The thing is, is consumer electronics is way different than it used to be. It's almost become like consumer electronics buying is almost part of our daily life. We include it in like our living costs now. Like when people start going through, like I went through financial trouble when COVID hit. I ended up having reduced hours and everything else. I was cutting all these budget things that I did. And then I sat there and went, wait, why am I doing all this? If I just cut my Netflix, my Spotify, and this, I literally save all the money I need. I'm like, whoa, hold on. Um, why didn't I think of those first? Because there's something you use every day, and you don't really care in the long run. Now, what will interest me with the price of games is if the physical cost goes up, but digital doesn't go up. That's a very good question. That's because an extremely good question. Now. Because, like, if publishers wanted to, so so speak, 
force the hand of consumers, why would you pay $10 more for a physical copy for a standard edition? I understand paying $10 more for a steel book, but if you're sitting there going, if I can buy this game for this much and this game for this much, and it's the same game, it's just a physical disc that's the difference, why would I pay more money for it? Hmm. Because as everyone knows, there's way more there's way more money involved in more money saved in the digital distribution market than there is in the physical. Physical still I'm not going to say expensive because it's not like it's not like they're only making 2%, but the margins are a lot better on digital and all and be all. And that would be a quick way to force people into a more digital ecosystem. We're already seeing that with discless consoles already. So I wonder if they're really going to push that come next generation if they increase the prices. It'll be interesting. I, I wish I could add much more to this conversation, but you guys really hit all the points that I got, <laughs> <laughs> like every single one. So I'm sitting here going, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so yeah. – <laughs> So we're talking about price of games going up and everything else. So price of games goes up $10. I want to ask you guys this because this is really sticking in my mind, especially with the DualSense controller in particular. We're not getting controllers for the same price we've been getting controllers anymore. We're going to be looking at like Joy-Con prices going forward for controllers. I for, the, for the DualSense, definitely. Yes. Like there is the dual sense is definitely going to be an $80 controller. Uh definitely. Like the price on that thing is going up. The Xbox controller, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I I am not I'm not 100% on that one yet. I think that could stay the same price or if it gets bumped it gets bumped by like $10. Um you know, so it goes up to 70 on average instead of 60. The the dual sense, yeah, that thing is 80 to $90 at minimum. Uh cuz because of all the tech they're cramming in there. And the bigger internal battery, like that's not cheap. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, based on what they've shown, I would much rather spend ninety dollars on a Dual Sense than fifty dollars on a DualShock Four. So you know, there's that too. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's it, like it's it's a nice controller. I just hope it lasts, you know, long enough. I would also kind of like to see a Dual Sense Elite sort of controller eventually. That'd be cool. That'd be, That'd be really cool. nice because that's honestly where Xbox has really succeeded last gen. This this current generation is with, you know, that base, with the basic to the Xbox Elite controller, the big advancements to that too. So I definitely think the controller will stay around the same price for Xbox for an extra generation because they added to it, not too much, but they might look at it and go, you know, they might raise it like Sam said, 10 bucks, five, 10 bucks sort of thing, but it could also just be like, just keep it the same price. Why bother? Keep everything seamless, no changes, whatnot. No need to cause some outcry or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Um, I also need Xbox to somehow make the Razer turret uh, Gears of Five model not three hundred and ninety nine dollars in Canada. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Please? Please, I understand it's a great piece of hardware, but man, come on, Razer. Yeah, come on, let's break here, please. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the price of games was inevitable going up. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to 
do a little sneaky thing. Like I found something out that Jared might be interested on my on my Xbox One. I get charged sales provincial sales tax, which is our a tax on everything. So like a price of a triple uh, A <laughs> game right now, if I buy a seventy nine ninety nine dollar game on Xbox One, I pay ninety three dollars after taxes are included. And but if I go on my PlayStation and buy a game digitally, the taxes aren't added. So I buy I buy a digital game on PlayStation Four. It's seventy nine 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 flat. I don't know why I don't have to pay. Tax you got it. That. Wow, that's that's interesting. interesting. I bought The Last of Us Part Two for seventy nine 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 flat, but when I bought Doom Eternal on my Xbox One X, I paid ninety two dollars. Hmm. Enjoy so that while it lasts, because I have a feeling that ain't lasting. Yeah, <laughs> there's someone from Sony <laughs> right now going. Fuck Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. well, I will say where I live, I have to uh, smile a little bit and be happy. And just be like, yeah, I don't pay the 11, 12, 13% tax that most other provinces do. It's only five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only Jared, five. I'm, I'm coming over with that 8% and breaking your knees with it. Um. <laughs> cool, cool little tidbit, too, is actually my great uncle was part of a law firm that helped get that law established here in Alberta so the oil companies could cover that part of the tax from, huh. about, 40, from about 30 years ago or something huh. like that. But that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah him and. Um, him and a good friend of his, they uh, went to school together. They were law firm partners together, uh, but they actually ended up running two separate law firms in the same building and actually two rooms right beside each other. And they actually same, share the same secretary. And um, his partner was named Peter Lougheed. And there's actually a hospital named after Peter Lougheed here in Calgary too. So yeah, it's a little bit of a family history is, yeah, see, see, what was great about Ontario for a bit is we had a 7% tax and 8% tax that were taxed on different things. And then we went through the recession in 2008, and they could, they created something as a temporary fix, which was called the harmonized sales tax, where they put, they put 13% on everything. It was only to stimulate the economy temporarily. BC's like that too now. <laughs> how's, that, how's that economy? Is it getting stimulated? Oh, it's getting stimulated all right, or at least I am in the rear cavity of my body. Pipelines. Pipeline up there, right up there to get the economy going, that's for sure. I feel so stimulated. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hey, you learn things on this podcast. Yeah, you not you things learn. you want to learn, but uh, <laughs> things you're gonna learn all the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is um, the unfortunate realities of this podcast: is you learn more than you wanted to know. If it helps um, at all, even though I have the best prices, I think of the three of us here, like taxes have gone up on our stuff too. It used to be like an a seven percent tax on electronics, and now it's it's much higher. So. It's not a $60 game. Like, I'm paying $70 after yeah, taxes, yeah. guys. Like, well, and see, I don't feel as bad, too, because, like, you're in South Carolina, right, Sam? Yep, yep, that's right. So, like, what's your minimum wage in South Carolina? $7.25. Yeah, our minimum wage is $14.25. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, we also are a uh, an at-work or will-to-work state, whatever they want to call it, which basically means you have no protection. Unless you're in like a big corporation and you can be fired with, for no reason. 
which is a great thing about our state and is something about almost every state in the U.S. Uh, not a lot of people know that. And here, that's why, that's why USA. USA. The reason why that's the way it is is that's why unions are synonymous yeah. with the United States is because you all need them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, apparently in here, like, now, like Oh my god, man! Like that sucks. We got like three strikes and you're out, sort of thing deal up here. <laughs> man, literally, like, and the worst part of it, and Jared, you can attest to this. The worst part about three strike Canadian labor laws is whatever you do on that first strike, it literally does not matter. You could take a dump on your boss's <laughs> ass, you're written up. <laughs> That's true. It's just it's just a simple write up. You can. Yeah, you can cause a lot of damage. It'll just be a simple ramp. <laughs> so, so, so basically what I'm hearing is you make that first strike count. Oh, you, oh you yeah. It's like, oh, boss, I accidentally ran over your vehicle. It's now like completely <laughs> flat. I'm really sorry about that. Oh, yeah, there's a slap on the wrist. You're good to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're not telling you that you learn how to abuse the law in Canada on this podcast. But we're just saying stuff happens. Thanks for hanging with us, guys. I know we kind of derailed here into political yeah. sales tax discussions, but this was good. A little bit shorter of an episode, given everything, but lots yeah. of news. Uh, this is also sort of a temporary breather before we get some more big game news with Ubisoft Forward coming up real soon. That's all on the 12th, right? Yes. Pretty soon, yeah. It's a week from today. So a week from today, we've got Ubisoft Forward, uh, which will have Ubisoft Showcase, and that'll be interesting. And then heavy rumor is on the 23rd this month, we're going to have uh, the Xbox Showcase as well. So lots of stuff to look forward to in July. Lots of stuff so, to look forward to. Yeah. Some, cool, some cool stuff that's going to be coming along with this channel. <laughs> this uh, just so people know, people have DM'd me about this. I am not doing live reactions to anything. Ever. Yeah, no, no, it's no. not happening. It's, it's um, not happening. You, you can't, you can't pay me enough. You could pay me enough, but I have to write about this stuff as it comes in and trying to react to things and be interesting. We'll try and type three hundred words in fucking three minutes. Not great. <laughs> yeah, the not reactions great. aren't the same. Trust me, because they're there. Yeah, basically. Type. I still remember missing Halo, the like Halo's E3 2018 trailer because I was typing something. And Jared's like, did you see that? And I'm like, what? Um, so there's going to be some cool stuff coming up. We are going to do an Xbox predictions episode. We are? Gonna do a oh, yeah, I suppose. But it's going to be a regular episode, right? Yes. We are going to have – yeah, it's going to be a discussion topic at the end. It'll be about okay. 30 minutes. And like, It's not going to be a All separate right. episode. Yeah. Uh, we will be covering that. Um, we're not going to do a Ubisoft prediction episode because I think it's pretty obvious what's going to be there, and I better see some Watch Dogs Legion because I need that game right now. I need some anarchy-based game to play right now. Anarchy um, in the UK! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Topical. Um, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. We've got some great stuff coming up. There's going to be Ghost of Tsushima is in less than two weeks now. Fourteen? No, no, it's in two weeks. Two weeks plus. It's two 20, weeks. Goes yeah, up on it's, it's it's the seventeenth. It's the seventeenth. Embargo lifts on the fourteenth. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the reviews to see everybody's opinion. Finally, it's going to be good. Yep, reviewers have had it for a while now. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> it's the dark souls of Japanese games. Shut up, Nick. <laughs> You don't even know what you're talking about. 
Get back no, to when you actually play. Come back and play Bloodborne with us, coward. No, no he's, my he's favorite thing. Once my favorite thing was there was a tweet with like six thousand likes. And it's like I love how it took this long for them to make an open world game in feudal Japan. And then someone commented below. They're like, "What about Sekiro?" And they're like, "From software games don't count." <laughs> also, not open world. I want to point yeah, out. Yeah, it's it's inter inter not open interconnected. World. Not the same thing. I love I love Sekiro. I love Sekiro, uh, but not the same thing. Um, and also, we've got that Prey episode. Is that happening this month, or is that yes, going to be, be? That will be this month. That is going to be hope. Well, it'll be pre. So. Specialty episodes, aside from the spoiler cast and stuff, are going to be pre-recorded um, okay. to ensure quality and everything else. So game plan is the Prey episode won't be this week. It'll be the week after because I want to drop it pre-Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. So uh, we'll be working that out amongst ourselves and figuring that out. And, uh, yeah, so cool stuff coming. Uh, no question. Send well wishes to Eric. Uh, not my place to disclose, but he definitely could use them right yeah, now. Absolutely. Send send him a well-meaning DM. If yeah, you can. Um, send Eric kind stuff. Don't send him any trolley shit for once. Yeah, no, um, no, he's he, he needs it. He need he needs a hug, a nice warm hug, and uh, we're wishing him the best. And hopefully, he will be back uh, next week. And we appreciate all you guys that jumped in, talked, told me how wrong I was. I'm used to it. It's fine. And uh, we look forward to talking more about the stuff that'll be coming in the next week. And this, it's going to be a really exciting week from if even half the stuff that's rumored to happen happens. So we'll do outros and all that fun stuff. So Sam, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel Talbert. You can find what I write on Windows Central, Android Central, and iMore. Absolutely. And Jared, where can people find you? Well, people can also find me on Twitter at RageVarsHeavensForX, as well as over at uh, LordsOfGaming.net for all my fun writing stuff. Absolutely. And I'm Nicholas Downey. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Undead3XVI. You can join the sexy beard gang here. And, uh, yeah, I write for LordsOfGaming.net. You'll find some cool stuff coming up this week. I'm not going into detail, but there's some cool stuff coming and maybe a bigger thing coming later. Who knows? It'll be a fun time. Hope you guys have a safe, enjoyable week. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Have a great night.